Hey, this is Pastor Joaquin G. Molina from Spring of Life Fellowship, and I want to welcome you to our podcast. I hope you're encouraged with this message and you stay the course to change the world. God bless you. Father, thank you for this day you have made for us to rejoice and be glad. We thank you, O God, that the life in Christ Jesus, there's no condemnation, Lord. We've been uh, set free from condemnation and the spirit of death, Lord. We've come into life and life eternal. You have brought abundance of the expression of your life to our families, to our marriages, to our children, to our um, economy, Lord. You've blessed our finances, Lord. You have prospered us in every direction. We pray that your word would be our nutrition and our inspiration. You say in the Bible that man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So right now, Lord, bless your word in Jesus' name. Allow it to be a good seed planted in good hearts that would give forth good fruit that glorify you, O God. We bless you and thank you and that your word would not return void that it would be as sharp as a double-edged sword, and that we would know the times that we're living in and that we might uh, prevail, Lord, that we might prosper, that we might be successful in all things, Lord. We give you thanks for the cross of Christ, Lord, and the redemption blood of Jesus who washes us from all our sins, Lord. We glorify you and we bless you in the house of the Lord. The people of God say amen and amen. One of the things that we... Uh, want and, and aspire to is the what is the expression of faith that is not lukewarm and it's not wavering we we need to leave a tradition of faith that's red hot um, that we would be at a level that we know that we are touching the the fullness of god's expression for those of us who have been called to live during these times. Um, I, I often ask myself, would I follow Jesus in his times? Would I have left the nets and stopped being a fisherman and become a fisher, um, not a fisherman, but a fisher of men? Would I, be, would I would have answered to the call of Christ? And I always measure myself in that regard and have I abandoned the affections of this world? Are my affections in God? And so you have to be intentional and deliberate in that course. Uh, one of my strategies was if I spend more time in the things of God than I spend in those things that are not of God. There's a measure of time that I invest. Is it in the kingdom? Um, is my money in the kingdom? Is, is, uh, you know, it's very powerful to witness somebody who forsakes it all. That's what, that's what the call of Christ was. Um, I, I cannot move in a direction that is contrary to the priority and to the interest of my God. So, um, I know that many people first get introduced to the church, but the truth of the matter is you need to be introduced to Christ. He is the great pearl, the pearl of great price. He is the reason why the parable that Jesus says, a man went into a field and found a pearl. If you don't find the pearl, you cannot go and sell everything you have and go and buy that field. 
There has to be something that you see and touch and value, and that causes you to forsake all things. When you're asking a person to forsake all and to follow something he hasn't seen, he hasn't heard, he hasn't experienced, it's very difficult. One of uh, the gentlemen that came here uh, close to 20 years ago, he says, Pastor, my dad doesn't want to tithe of his money to the church. And, and so I said, well, you know why he's not tithing? Because he's not seen the reason he should tithe. And you should never charge a blind man to come and see the movie. You can't. You, you can't. A person who doesn't see, who doesn't hear, who hasn't experienced what we have, and this is why people say, your life is so bizarre. You don't understand. I didn't have a life before I met Christ. I didn't know the purpose of life. I didn't know what a marriage was or a family or children. I couldn't bless my own if God had not opened my eyes. And so I know the economics of it, that if I did not have Christ, I would have been the most pitied amongst men. Because I would walk in all manner of directions, every which way but lose. And then I find that my life is hidden in Christ. And if I, if I invest fully in this regard, the expressions of what comes back to me is an immense significance of weight and substance in every regard. So some men have financial problems, come to Christ. If you have family problems, come to Christ. If you have problems with your children, come to Christ. If you have problems understanding your identity in this world, surrender at the feet of Christ. And so the church has such an incredible role. We said it on Wednesday. Uh, one of the guys was building, uh, uh, he was, there were three people, they were approached and they were asked, what are you doing? All three of them were working at the same place. The first man answered, I'm chiseling stone. He could only reduce his experience to how he reduces a piece of rock to a certain form. And that's all he saw. They asked the second man, what are you doing? He says, I'm bringing a paycheck home. The reason I'm here is because I'm working to bring money to my house. And then they asked the third person, what are you doing here? And he said, a great cathedral. His vision was not limited to stone or taking money to his home. He was part of a larger project as he saw the vision. And a lot of people don't understand what the church is all about. But let me just tell you that it's not the governments of the world. It's the church that God uses to measure time and place. And a lot of people don't understand the significance of the church. But the church is the expression of God's people upon the earth. He equates it to the times of Noah. The last days will be like the days of Noah. Now, you know there were multitudes of people doing all manner of things, but the eyes of God were upon one man. 
He found grace before the sight of God. And God intimated to him intimately his plans for the entire earth. Prepare an ark for the saving of your family and of yourself and preach righteousness. And only him, his wife, his three sons and their wives were on the ark. Eight people. And God destroyed the whole world and preserved one man and his family. And so God wants to do the same thing in the last days. People can't appreciate it. They say, oh, you think God's going to destroy the whole world? Absolutely. He's going to judge everyone except those that are in Christ. So the significance of who we are as God's people in the last days is what is your relationship to what God says will happen in the last days? He's not concerned about Republicans. He's not uh, concerned about Democrats. He's not concerned about economics. What is the currency of the people? There are people that wake up every morning to find out how the euro is doing, how the dollar is doing. And they don't understand that God is concerned with how the church is doing. How you're connected to the significance of church. And so we want to do that this morning in the brief time that we have. Revelations 3, going straight to the heart of the matter. Verse 15, Revelations 3.15 says, I know what you're about, but in regards to existence, you're neither cold nor are you hot. I wish that you were one or the other. Some people always use this verse to say, if you're cold, you're going to hell. But it's not true. Because this very verse, God is using because of the waters that would come from the mountains of Colossal that were nice and cold water that represented refreshing. Is your Christian life refreshing to someone? Because if you're lukewarm, I will vomit you out of my mouth. If you're not, if you're lame in existence, if you're stale bread, that's not what God has. God has a water that's refreshing or the other hot springs in the area that were used were therapeutic waters that would heal those people with ailments. So he says, are you part of the healing process? Are you part of the refreshing process? Are you go by as not even being a part of the issues of the day? You, church, are called to make a difference. You're the answer to the problem. I, I don't want to know. The, 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 the spiritual climate of the day doesn't help me with regards to people doing things that are rotten. We know that rotten people do rotten things and they don't phase me. I need to not be rotten. I need to not grow corrupt. I need to be the salt of the earth. So we've gone through challenges early on in our Christian faith. And you said, man, you've gone through so many. Listen, thank God for every trial 
that God has put us through like gold that is refined in the fire. Everything serves to make us more precious in our faith. We're not licking our wounds and we're not feeling sorry for the challenges that we have surpassed. We, we often equate it to that man that was in the bottom of the pit. And every time somebody outside the pit was grabbing dirt in a shovel and throwing it over the person to bury him, he had to shake off the dust and step up on the, on the dirt. And as they were throwing more dirt on him, and he would shake it up and put his hand, he'd get on top of the dirt, he was rising up out of the pit. You cannot curtail and go, oh, look out there, oh, they're burying me alive. No! We are an incredible force to contend with. We are relentless in our pursuit for excellence in Jesus' name. Amen. We are the church. In the last days, the climate is of a stale existence where people don't want to excel. You know, you see the football players being drafted at the age of 20, 25, multi-million dollar contracts. Here in the house of God, we are ordaining pastors at 25. What's it mean? These guys are fearless characters on behalf of the things that concern God. They're not playing religion. They're standing up saying, Lord, I want to shepherd your people as an example to the flock. And so as a church, we proceed on verse 16. So because you are lukewarm, you're neither hot nor cold. God has given you talents to be refreshing, to be therapeutic. But because you've chose to be lame and stale and lukewarm. The expression is, Christ will vomit you out of his mouth. What does this cause? You, you can't sit on the fence. You can't straddle the fence and continue to say, I'm okay, because God wants you to excel above the mediocre standard of existence. You need to make a difference in Christ's name. Verse 19, he says, Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. These two aspects that cause you to awaken out of your stupor. I don't know how else to cry out to people to give your best to God. Not your leftovers. When, when, when he marks those in the Bible, that, that woman who brought her alabaster perfume, and poured it at the feet of Jesus. What was going on there? Why was she giving him her best? Why was why is she moved to offer the increased expression of her treasure at the feet of Christ? Something is broken when we are not moving in that direction. I, I need to unsettle you out of your comfort zone. You think you're okay. But if you're not giving God the overwhelming weight of your treasure, your heart is not going to follow. Because where your treasure is, there your heart is also. So how do you move men to lay down their treasure at the feet of Christ? He's saying, I'm going to rebuke you. 
I'm going to discipline you lest you fail to be zealous and repent. I, I, I don't know how it is to motivate men to, to represent the manifestation of giving God their best. But I know that down the road, they will be resentful that they weren't in a place that was getting them to move in that direction. Here's what the Bible says about the last days. There's going to be great deception. There's going to be false prophets. There's going to be wars. There's going to be earthquakes. There's going to be famine. I, I can't get over the announcements that we have received in the last couple of months um, are bizarre. They're talking about the lack of food. That there's not going to be, that there'll be, uh, our markets will be diminishing in their provision. Uh, a United States of America that announces no more baby milk. And you're like, that's bizarre. That, that is unheard of in our, in our history. There's never been a lack of anything in this nation. We're seeing the, the extent of moral decay. The, we, we were out here in Miami, my wife and I, and we looked over into some yachts, and there were yachts filled with men kissing each other. Age 25. And you're like, you know, even the heterosexual relationships that are out on these boats do not depict the degenerate expressions of debauchery. While the surrounding boats were filled with families and young children, there were pockets of these boats filled with men burning with lust one after another. That doesn't happen in a vacuum. If you pursue the lust of the flesh, you're eating at the sewer. You're eating things that God did not create for you to participate with. The moral decay of our land. Uh, men and women who have decided to transgender. I thank God for transformation. That we're becoming more and more like Christ. Not transgender, but transformation by renewing your mind. The great falling away. When I used to read about the amount of pastors that would forsake their call to shepherd God's people, I said, not in my lifetime. I, I couldn't picture a man of God betraying the faith. But it, last night, I sent to our pastors a video clip of a pastor in Texas that began to compromise and walk into a very uncomfortable and familiar relationship with another woman, not his wife. And I was like, shepherds need to be bold and courageous. They're, they must defend the body of Christ, the people of God, where they stand, and not compromise. But we're seeing a lot of the heroes of our modern-day shepherds falling away. The spirit of the Antichrist and disobedience is upon the earth. The rebuilding of the nation of Israel. All manner of unprecedented destruction and calamity. 
All these things the Bible says are like labor pains of a woman. Matthew 24, 8. The increased intensity and frequency of labor pains. All these things are the beginning of sorrows. I, I wake up every morning trying to figure out when's the next wave of craziness that's taking place. No longer is righteousness being lifted up. To such an extent, Jesus says these words in Luke 18.8, when I come back, will there be anyone that's living in a manner that I can really find faith on the earth? Faith has to be consistent with an expression of living for God. What's that mean? All systems corrupt. The school shootings, the militant homosexual agenda, trying to make children conform to that which is not created by Christ. Second Thessalonians, Paul writes these words, let no one lead you down the wrong track in any way. Second Thessalonians 2.3 Be careful what fellowship you're having. I, I want to tell you that I intentionally took Pastor Fermin Castañedas on this trip to Puerto Rico because he was a man of great faith 30 years ago when we got saved, 38 years ago. This guy was amazing in his passion, in his fire for God. One day at church, I recall, I was a young teenager, and outside in the parking lot, he had to go back into church to find something. Then his wife got off, started talking to somebody. Then the oldest boy who was six years old jumped off the minivan. And then his four-year-old brother, then the three-year-old sister. And when the two-year-old tried to take a step off the minivan, he fell, hit his head, and died in the parking lot. So this man is serving God, and he's having a huge loss. But he did not waver in his faith. He did not blame God. We're, we're going to be put to some serious challenges. And if you're not a courageous, valiant warrior, you're going to waver in your pursuit for God. You better be ready for the devil to be angry at you because he. the Bible says he knows his time is very brief, is limited. So he is more intentional to take you out. And if you're not founded in Christ, if you're not, and I say and to be knitted into the church is so important. If I have Pastor Kinney on one side, Pastor Palmer on the other, it doesn't matter what I do to fall, these people sustain me. They keep me up because I'm in fellowship. I'm connected and surround myself with serious men of God. I want my wife to be in fellowship with godly women who have gone before her, not with the ones that just showed up. I want to be surrounded by women of faith and character of virtue. I thank God for the women in this church. Thank God for Francis. Years ago, when we rebuked and disciplined Pastor Javi, and he says, let's leave. We have another church to go to. 
She says, no, buddy. They love us. They're disciplining us. And after the discipline, which is not the course of joy but sorrow, now God has established them, not only as a believer and a leader, but as a pastor in this church. And his daughters are beautiful and and honoring their parents. But they had to sustain a time and a season of discipline. And that proves that you're a son. We've all been disciplined, and it doesn't cause us to waver. It causes us to increase our polish. Because those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline, the Lord says. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 4.3, the time will come, I'm going to say, and now is, that people will not endure sound doctrine. They don't even know what it is. The disrespect of a generation that honors not the shepherds and the generals of faith is an indictment to themselves. When we go into nations, we usually tell men and women, who do you listen to? And they usually say, God. No, 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 listen to me. Somebody a little bit closer to earth, because God doesn't have a a direct connection with you. Who do you honor? Who brought you to faith? Who was there teaching you the tenets of the doctrines of faith that you render double honor to those who teach and instruct these matters? But you don't, you don't have that. In the last days, what you have is that people will walk according to their own desire and they will heap up for themselves their own teachers. They don't have ears To obey, they have itching ears, irritable ears. When truth comes, they can't handle it. They don't have an appetite for truth. One of the men who left this church many years ago, he says, Pastor, the time has come. Me and my family are going to go look for a good church in Miami. And I said, you're in a good church. You just don't tolerate truth. You want to compromise. You want to lower your standard. I I want to, the purpose of this teaching is, where is what Paul says, the highest measure of excellence? Way above where you're at right now. If you guys continue to talk, right, and carry on a conversation, shows me that this disrespect is through the roof. And it's it's, it's horrible because that's what you guys are going to breed in your personal life. You need to be attentive to the Spirit of God and what He's saying in the last days so you might excel and champion every season of your life. Enduring, this word, listen what it says, the time will come when they will not endure. That word endure means suffer. Because when you when you see what God is stretching you to, is not to conform to midget-sized Christianity. He doesn't want you to withdraw and, and, and you know go into the fetal position, but that you might stand and be a warrior for the things of God. How do you do that? By not pursuing your own desire. Not seeking what you want. Try to perceive what God wants. These last days, the Bible says that He wants us to be a people of prayer. He wants us to break forth 
Listen what it says in Isaiah 54, 3, which is a prophetic. It's in the book of Isaiah 54, verse 3. It talks about the last days. And it talks about us. For you shall expand to the right and to the left, and your children after you will inherit the nations and make those ruined cities places to be inhabited. In the last days, we are to be an expression of championing God's challenges upon the earth. What is a desolate city? Marriage. What is a desolate place? Family. And the Bible says that we're going to champion the inhabited places. Places where God put us to serve our wives and our children. They were just coming out of captivity in Babylon, and God was shedding forth a freedom of expression and in existence. Isaiah 40, 15 says, Everything else the nations are doing are not a challenge to God. They are a drop in the bucket. God says everything that earth is, everything earth is fighting with is no, not, not even a, 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 a small fight to God. When we go into Puerto Rico, we say, okay, is our problem going to be people that are ungodly, unsaved, unreached? No. You know what our problem is? Those who call themselves Christians. The greatest adversaries and opponents to a revival in Puerto Rico are those who say they know Jesus. Who do you think you are? What are you guys bringing? What's going on? And they're resisting the prosperity of revival in that land. I said, listen, we're not asking you for money. We haven't asked you to what you're not giving. We're bringing over resources to bless the island. And we're going to go back home rejoicing because God gets the glory. God is going to be glorified. And we will rejoice. He says the nations are a drop of bucket. There are no problems. And are counted as small dust in his scales. As God is bringing revival on the land, it's not politics that's going to be in the way. It's not economics. It's not social distress. It's not politics. The revival in the last days will be those who rise to shine for the glory of God. That's you and I. We need to walk knowing who the church is, that we're a part of it. Those of you that still haven't found a measure to come in, it's really sad. Psalm 2, verse 2, this is the, the, the declaration of those people that see us come upon the land, the kings of the earth, those that have some portion of territory, the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying like this, verse 3, let us break away the bonds, let us cast away their cords. They, They do not want to be brought in to conform to his purpose. As they challenge God in what he's doing, verse 4 gives the description of how God sits upon the earth. He's not phased and he's not worried. He that sits in the heavens shall laugh and the Lord shall hold them in derision. 
He's going to come against these people strong. And that's why David would say to Goliath, I'm not coming against you with a sword and a spear. I'm coming against you in the name of the Lord. The battle is the Lord's. And he will gather. He will gather his own in these days. I, I, want, to, I want you to press into the life of the spirit, life of obedience, life of faithfulness, life of commitment. Because everywhere we turn in the last days, people are running away from God. The, the declaration in Puerto Rico, every time we stepped up to talk to somebody, they would say, for right now, I have been separated. Estoy apartado. And so the question is, why? Why are you apartado? We found one young man in the Central Park, and he was begging. He's a homeless man. He broke out with all manner of infections and disease, and he was asking for bread. He was asking for, uh, he was he was begging for provision. I said, listen, you were a Christian a lot longer before I was. And he goes, you're right. My grandfather's a pastor. So I said, what are you doing here acting like you don't have an inheritance and blessing at home? Go back to your church. Go back to your family. Go back to the place where God planted you so that you might flourish. That's what God wants. I believe it's Psalm 92. Maybe verse 14, he says he causes us to bear fruit even in our old age. We're to be not stale and lame, but fresh and flourishing. Verse 13, I believe it is. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish. God's keeping us fresh and flourishing to the extent we are rooted in the house of God. So I leave that as a challenge this morning. I want you to be red hot in faith. And in these last days, we're not part of the fearful that are falling away to deception and compromise, but we're red hot. We're on fire for God. And the world's not going to understand that. They don't understand the economy of God. Um, the word economy comes from the Greek word oikonomos. It's the word household. What God honors, he flourishes. And whenever I find a man who's diminished in the expression of his existence, I know he's not connected to the house of God and to the calling of God. But Father, I thank you today for this word. And I pray, Lord, that we might press in all the more, that your Holy Spirit might Convict us in those places where we're compromising and we have checked out. We're not engaged. We're not planted. We're not flourishing. We're not fresh. Keep us from a life of being stale and lame with excuses, with controversy, with unforgiveness and resentment in our hearts, with ungratefulness and ignorance, oh God. Remove these things that we might be fruitful, that we might be ripe, that we might be wholesome in our expression, Lord. Allow our young men to run and our old men to be revived by visions and dreams fulfilled that were once in their loins and now they're seeing them come to pass, oh God, that we might rejoice in these things, that we might be part of your people in the last days 
You said, I will build my church and the gates of hell would not prevail against it. So, Father, raise us up in our most holy and pure faith to serve you with excellence. This is our prayer this morning. Bless your people and prosper them that they might participate. Body, soul, and spirit, time, talents, and treasure. For your glory, according to your thoughts, according to your words, and according to your calling. In Jesus' name we pray, and the people of God say, Amen, Amen, and Amen. Greet one another in the love of the Lord. See you on Wednesday night for Bible study. And be encouraged to be part of the church in the last days.